Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. My guest, Mr. Tim Seeley, back again. Tim, it is so awesome to have you. Um, I think the last time we spoke, Local Man was just starting. Um, I think we're on, was it issue nine that just released? Yes. Um, we also had, we had gold in there, so you've had 10 issues worth of stuff already. 10 issues, yeah. We got the, let me see right here. We got the one shot, the golden. Um, my favorite cover of all time so far, the Max. <laughs> yeah. That, man. So yeah, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I know we were talking. I feel like it's been a hit. You know, at the end of the year, all these YouTubers and people kind of give their top ten comics of the year, and I saw several people, including me, pick a local man as one of their top ten comics of the year. It's been a lot of fun. It gives me awesome like '90s. You know, I, I think you already mentioned this, but that that image vibe. Um, but also the story is tragic. There's comedy in it. There's just so much going on um, that I just find it. I'm enthralled, man. And I can't wait for the next issue. Uh, are you feeling like it's getting some traction? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's weird because it's the comics has changed so much since like I did revival or hack slash, which were easier to sort of see is like, Oh, these are, these are doing well and people are picking them up and the, and the numbers are going up and, and now it's just like nothing that doesn't happen for anything. Um, but yeah, you're right. We were on, I, you know, just about every best of list I saw, which really helps. And we've really tried to push that. Um, and we've had, you know, really good critical reviews and it does seem like the word of mouth is kind of kicking up, which now is kind of the only thing that sells comics really is, is word of mouth. So, um, yeah, I think it's helping. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens with, you know, Trade 1 did pretty well. Um, I'm thinking when Trade 2 comes out, which is not, we just proved it today. So that that's out the door already. Oh, wow. Um, you know, that, I think that'll really tell us a lot about it. But it's, I mean, it's a weird time to be in comics. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's significantly slowed down. I, you know, if we had done this book 10 years ago, five years ago, I mean, it would be, it would probably be really, really successful uh, because Revival was, you know, kind of like this level of buzz, but maybe even a little bit less. And uh, it did great. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of hard to tell. You know, uh, uh, you've been very vocal in a good way on X and uh, obviously your own YouTube channel about where comics are at. Um, that, you know, comics obviously change, especially for guys our age. We're, we're very yeah. close in age, right? So comics that I read in the 90s and the early 2000s are much different today. And, you know, sometimes people my age have a hard time with that, right? Because they change so much and you, you know, your character changes or whatever happens, right? And you just got to find another avenue, right? Um, because that's just the nature of life um, change. And you've done a really good job. I think you had a video where you showed your your first Spider-Man you ever bought. And then when that, that passion for Spider-Man ended and it was okay, you just moved on to something different, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing. I, I, the, the, it's, and, and I, I have to blame Marvel and DC for that because the way that they've set up, you know, comics wasn't just superheroes. It was all kinds of stuff. And, and superheroes was dominated for, I mean, if not 80 years, definitely for 60. And so, <laughs> you know, a big part of it has been that they've created this sort of readership that for them, you know, instead of like kind of moving on to other stuff, they stayed with the books and, you know, it used to be the idea, I think, that when comic stores, when they, when comic stores really kind of came into their own, the idea for them was, 
well, we can sell back issues and now we can sell comics for adults as well. And that would they would have all the markets. And, and instead, we've kind of gone to this place where uh, comics for kids are sold at bookstores. You know, it's manga and YA books and Dogman. And, and uh, those aren't things that comic retailers are able to take advantage of as much as they probably should be able to. Uh, so so it's a tough, you know, that transition between having your cake and eat it too, being able to sell superhero books to everybody, you know, kind of seems like, at least for the Marvel and DC stuff, seems to have passed. You know, I mean, my kid is four. She reads all this stuff. They have all kinds of superhero books for kids, but they're YA type books. They're, you know, they come out in like a monthly, I mean, like a trade format, right? You know, and and they're, you know, 60 pages and, and it's a Miles Morales story or something. And, and that's very different than the stuff that the monthly readers are asking for. So, um, so that's kind of the thing with Logoman is like trying to sort of give something for the people that feel like, hey, you know, I still like superheroes, but maybe it's okay that Spider-Man isn't for me. And uh, there's a big resistance there. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people, they would rather read a Spider-Man book they hate than an independent superhero book that they love. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't know how to deal with that. I, I figured that one out. Yeah, I just, I've never had that. I don't, you know, yeah. I'll read a Spider-Man book and I like Spider-Man, but I don't, I don't care. You know, it's yeah. like, I'll, I'll, I'll read it or I won't, or I, you know, it's, I don't give a shit, you know, like, yeah, I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so it's, it's hard for me sometimes to understand, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I could, I could relate a little bit on the other side, right? I'm a big Green Lantern fan. Um, and, you know, throughout the years, right, there's been writers that I've really loved. There's been writers that I'm like, ah, that's not the story that I would have told. Um, but I still read it because it, it becomes canon and it's going to affect later on stories, right? Um, so I, I, I get it. I understand that if someone's been reading, you know, Spider-Man for 30 years and all of a sudden, you know, a writer gets on there doing things with Spider-Man. They're like, man, that's not the Spider-Man that I grew up with. So I understand the frustration. Um, but uh, I also understand that as a writer, especially a younger writer, they're writing according to their experience and they're writing probably for a different consumer than that right. 50 year old spider and fan right and so i get both sides of it i understand the frustrations on both sides and i'm not sure what the the answer is to that other than if i don't like something i, I usually don't talk about it i just move on to another book and i keep reading until i find something i like whereas i, I know some channels um do a really good job of kind of highlighting everything that's wrong in comics and they're really good at it and I'll let them do that. But I, I feel like there's so much diversity in comics, especially on the indie side, that yeah. there's a lot of uh, stuff out there that I think people would like if they tried. I a hundred percent agree with you and I'm glad you're there to say it. And I, you know, and my frustration is that people would rather be angry yeah. uh, than, you know, and in those, you know, there's all those YouTube things. And the reason I finally decided to do one of those, I was just like, I just don't, People don't, they're, they're not having the same conversation. They're, they're, they're complaining about something that that's, you're starting from the wrong place. That's not true. That's not right. You know, they're like, well, this has always been this way. It's like, that's not true. And, and I feel like at least if you can provide some basic information about some history, because I, I guess that's stuff that people don't really, no one tells them that. Why would they know that? No one learns like, you know, where comics started and, and when superheroes came in and all that. And, and just other stuff like terms, like, you know, um, and like the direct market and comic shops and when comic shops started and you know all that stuff you know the 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 newsstand these are all things that are impact me uh and have for my entire career but if you're just reading stuff you may not know that you may not need to know but i kind of feel like sometimes when people complain about something they 
they're complaining about something that is not they don't necessarily uh have the full story and sometimes they're angry about something which is completely normal or or is completely part of the deal or is completely you know has always been yeah. something you know so it's sometimes i that's kind of like and again i i'm very aware of like doing an educational sort of and it's not a how to make comics thing either like like plenty of people do that you know uh <laughs> it's just like talking about stuff i i know that's going to be a hard sell but i was on strike from my college that i teach uh adjunct that so i was like fuck it, i'm gonna make some videos and then uh, now I've been so busy, I haven't got to make one. But I, I'm going to do one about freelancing uh, coming up here. And um, so I'll get back to it. But, you know, if it helps people just kind of know. If, if you're going to yell at me personally, which happens to me on the Internet all the time, that's cool. But at least just know what you're talking about when you yell. <laughs> that's that's all I care about. Yeah. I, I mean, I've enjoyed your videos and they are very educational. You had one where... I think in the title, it was super negative. And you're like, okay, this is not going to be negative, but I knew that this is what it's going to take to get your attention, right? Well, I mean, because it's the the rage baiting thing, which yeah. is like, you know, it's so fucked up because it's not, there was never this sort of previous way of communicating, which was completely just, you know, unless you talk about like tabloid news, which was still something that, you know, the, the level of, of, of the way that was pervades culture was so much less than the internet where it's like, Everything is tabloid, right? It's all—it's all like, are you shocked? Can you believe it? And it's all lies. And it's always like asking a question, like, did this, you know? And it's always the—it's it, they're just asking the question to get you to get to the end of it when they're like, no, that's not what happened. But, <laughs> but it could. And it's just like this—it's so <laughs> stupid, and it, and it's so—it's so bad for people's brains, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. I hope you know. I'll, I'll keep doing it, and I, and I wish I could do it more often. I obviously can't pull off. A weekly thing with it or anything but um when i can yeah, you're, you're writing like 15 books at once man so maybe that's the problem <laughs> you're like the busiest dude i know every time i go to the comic shop i'm like holy crap he, he wrote a one-shot aquaman i didn't know that was happening <laughs> it's so uh, random man but it, it yeah i mean it, you know that's i love that's it I mean, that's awesome. thing, like schedule wise how stuff works is so weird in comics too because like right now i don't have anything in stores for a while but i but it's it's not because I'm not doing anything. It's just that everything is really backed up. So like, you know, and I'm kind of glad. Like, it's kind of nice not to have anything else for a while. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and then all of a sudden it'll be like I have 20 books out, even yeah. though I just write a book a week. You know, usually or 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 something around there. So it just ends up looking like, you know, just the way the schedules are. So it's gonna look very soon like I have all the DC books because finally these things will come out, and uh, <laughs> and then. You know, then it'll be back to like months without anything on the stand. So, because right now I, I just have um, local man for like the next couple of months, mm -hmm. I think. So, yeah, yeah. And as far as hack and slash, right? Over the last few years, um, all the tiles there. Zoe's doing a bang up job. I got issue two that I just actually picked up today, which I know has been out, um, but I picked it up today. Yeah. But um, that's a fun twenty years. I mean, Tim did. did <laughs> the lasting of hack and slash did you think that the popularity and that it would be kicking 20 years after you created something like that i mean that's the crazy thing you know because the goal was when i was a, you know going back to comics when we were kidding like what we like uh when i was in my teen years like i wanted to be eric larson doing savage dragon like i wanted to do a book and eric's thing on that book was i'm gonna do this book until i die i'm gonna do it every goddamn month and i'm 
and 30 you know years later 32 years later he's still doing it and <laughs> and uh you know and that's that's what i always wanted to be and then i think how crazy it is that when i started hack slash that book was only around for 12 years the heck that savage dragon was only around for 12 years oh my god so uh yeah it's fucking crazy but i mean you know part of it was it was designed to be something that i could i could do for a long time it could also be something that i could give to someone else and as we've gone on we've made it even more of a flexible book like it you know the it, it can cross over with just about anything it can you know it, it can have stories that happened in the past like year one stuff it can have it can do so many things that something like let's say revival or something or maybe you know even local man can't do um which I'm so glad to have it. I'm glad it works. Uh, and, I mean, and maybe the thing I'm most proud of is that someone like Zoe wanted to do it. You know, that she she pitched me on it because she had an idea and and, and it's going to make me feel terrible and old. But, she, you know, she started reading it when she was four years old. No, not really. But <laughs> she read it when she was a teenager. So, you know, that kind of uh, legacy part of it is, is really cool to me. And I'm so glad that, uh, that, it, that it still works and that talented cartoonist, like, and I would say Zoe's a more talented cartoonist than myself, uh, that they want to play with it, too. And I think she, she gets it, which is so great. I mean, it's, you know, and she gets it, but she also has done this does stuff that I wouldn't. Like, she's yeah. really into manga and stuff, which I'm not. And so she adds that side of it, you know, and, and I think it, it makes it awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely comes through, and you could tell that she certainly has a love um, for hack and slash. So, and that's really important as a reader, you could tell, right. When someone's passionate about what they're writing about. Um, oh, so yeah. that certainly comes through um, as far as getting back to local man. Um, so issue 10 is coming up. There's 10 issues, but issue 10 will be coming up here pretty quick. I, I feel like this story could easily be adapted for TV. I don't know if you feel the same way or you feel that for everything that you write. I don't know, Tim, I think. And I feel it for nothing I write. I, I, really? I feel like this would be so easy because, you know, as far as like special effects or anything like that, it'd be very minimal. It'd probably be yeah. flashbacks or something like that. Or there's a few scenes where there is some superhero stuff. But it's really, it's really kind of following Jack and everything that he's kind of going through. And, and it tugs on a lot of different emotions, happy, sad, frustration. You could relate sometimes. Sometimes you're like, what the hell are you doing, man? You know what I mean? Um, so all of those yeah. things combined, right? I feel like it touch a lot of people. And it seems like it would be simple enough to adapt and the story is good enough to adapt. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, superhero stuff is kind of dead in TV, in Hollywood, like which is crazy because um, they relied on it for 15 years and then, you know, then the moment that they're like, well, I don't know. Then they just fucking drop it like a hot shit. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, and we didn't make it to, you know, we made it as a comic book, maybe, maybe too much as like a comic book. Cause it, it, I think to a lot of people, they see like, well, how will we do 90s flashbacks or whatever? Um, but uh, yeah, it, superhero, superhero stuff beyond comics is, is like kind of dead in the water at the moment, um, which is crazy too, because the boy will, boys will probably be the most successful. Oh yeah. So it's not like this shit's not working, but um, but there's just like a weird. I mean, you know how Hollywood is superstitious. It's yeah. Also, um, you know they don't want to do this stuff. So like the moment that they get an excuse not to, they're like, well, it doesn't sell. So you know, uh, it's, so there's that too. But I, you know, 
I don't know. We've had meetings and we've talked to people and, um, you know, nothing that sort of felt right or that it was going somewhere or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, I've, I've optioned stuff before it. I, and, well, most of my previous stuff, I've at least optioned, and we haven't we haven't even optioned local man yet. So, uh, so if somebody wants it, uh, you, you you might you might be able to talk to us. Uh, we'll we'll take your money if you can make something cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know a superhero genre in general has. I feel like it's kind of petered out a little bit. Um, at least people are kind of pulling back. But to, to your point, the boys isn't, and you have to ask why is the boys so popular as a superhero storyline as opposed to some of these other ones that they don't want to pick up and I, I think it's the the crazy stories that are taking place in between the superhero stuff um and that's where i feel like local man has that right there's a lot going on in between superhero stuff so yeah. although it is a superhero comic it really isn't on the other hand because of the storyline that's taking place the relationship between the parents him and inga like all these things that are going on it's just there's there's a lot of stuff that's happening out of superhero, which I thought yeah. would be perfect, you know? Yeah. I mean, a big influence for us was not just the, I mean, obviously 90s superhero comics from Image were a huge influence on it, but it was also, I mean, for us, Tony and I are both big, like, crime noir uh, fans, especially, like, 80s neo-noir stuff, um, like, early, mid-80s, late-80s uh, neo-noir stuff, like, you know, uh, uh, all the John uh, John Dahl stuff, uh, you know, um, Red Rock West and and uh, and uh, die uh, was it like Kiss Me Sleep? Uh, can't remember the name. I'm braining out because I was drawing drawing all day. But but a lot of that like uh, the '80s sort of neo noir stuff we really love, and so that was you know something that we want to put in here. And uh, I think like other than horror stuff, I think I kind of default to I really like doing kind of that like kind of crime noir kind of. Like, I don't know, just small people with small problems is, like, one of my favorite things to do. So, uh, so I think, yeah, it, you know, there is another side to it. I just think there's also a thing with Hollywood stuff, which is they do not understand when you combine things. Like, they they just do not fucking get it. Like, you can't, you can't, and and every time I would go for a meeting with Hack Slash, I mean, we, we saw a long time ago, but for a movie, but, but people would always be like, well, you can't combine horror and comedy. And we're like, well, like, yeah, you can't it's done all the time. And most of the most successful horror movies are actually horror comedies. And they're like, yeah, but you can't combine two things. You're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? But <laughs> it, it is like the thing you hear from these executives all the time. Like you, you can't combine horror and superhero, or horror and crime, and and horror and crime and superhero. And you can't, you can't do other like they just can't fucking get it. And it's so yeah. weird because like, well, I mean, all this stuff is combinations of yeah. things like. What the fuck is Barbie then? Like, what? That was like the biggest movie of the year. What is, what is that? You know. I, I, so I don't know. It's just Hollywood works by they don't want anything until someone else did it, took the risk, and it's successful. Then that's all they want. Yeah. And that's that's how we got to the place where superheroes are, which is no one wanted to do it until it was the most successful thing, and then everyone did it until it was dead. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of beat it into the ground a little bit, maybe. Huh? Exactly. So uh, right now um, you're doing some stuff for DCs. Yeah, I can't talk about that, but yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I certainly don't want to uh, pry and, and uh, um, or anything like that. But you know, on the Marvel side, right? They've uh, started, restarted, or rebooted the Ultimate Universe. Um, the rumor is that DC will be doing something very similar. Have you heard about that as well? I uh, yes. Yeah, I know. 
I know, I know who's working on it. I can't say anything. Okay, okay, very good. All right. So I, I all I could tell you is I'm really excited about that. I love these kind of else world stories where you're taking a character and uh, you know you're doing something maybe a little unique with that character. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm glad to hear that you're doing things with DC, and we'll drop it right there. Um, that way we don't get you in trouble, Tim. But that's pretty exciting, man. Is there uh is there a uh, title? that at DC, I think we talked about this last time, you've done a lot with DC already. Is there a title though, if they came to you and said, or if you had the chance to pick um, with DC and or Marvel that you would want that you haven't touched yet? I have a few with all of them. I mean, the thing is that I'm pretty much at the point, I've been doing this for a long time. And I think I'm like, I, I don't think, even though I would like the money that it's associated with, like, I don't think I have like a big Batman thing I'd want to do. Like, I mean, maybe, but, like, off the top of my head, like, I don't have, like, a big, you know, one of those. But I still love some of the, there's so many of those characters that I really love that are not as popular that I feel like if you did them right, like, people would care about it. Because Tom pulled it off with Mr. Miracle, and he pulled it off with Supergirl, and I think there's characters that you can make them work. Like, um, and it's just, for me, I am always have, like, a, like, I have a, an idea for something, and, you know, it'll come to me in the bathtub or in the shitter or something. And then, like, I'll be super into this idea. It's like, oh, I wish I could pitch that to them, but, you know. I don't know if they care about doing some of those characters, but I, I have I have a thing that I did with a, a co-writer for Firestorm that I wish I could do. I love it so much. We tried to pitch that one, and they were kind of like, yeah, I don't think anybody cares about Firestorm. But yeah, but we love, I, I love that. I love the design. I love the idea. And so we had a thing for our, for him. Uh, I mean, at DC, I would love to do more of the Wildstorm stuff. I love working on that stuff in Grayson. I just... You know, like Wildcats and Lady Tron and Grifter and yeah, um, that that stuff's all like very in my wheelhouse. Like the crimey espionage characters, that's all in my wheelhouse. And then, I mean, I always, you know, there was ones I've always wanted to do Dead Man, and I got to do him a little bit previously. Um, he's a horror character, and I, I just yeah. him. he's so that's cool. Awesome. And then, uh, Night Terrors really brought him to the forefront after a long time. Which yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, that was a good way to use him. And I think, uh, you know, the the whole like DC horror stuff and the Marvel horror stuff, I that stuff I love. Like I could do, I could more easily do that stuff, I think, than something like, you know, as much as I love Batman, like I, that's just a hard character to, to do. But like, I don't know, like I could sit down and do, you know, Sleepwalker or uh, Darkhawk or any of the sort of weirder Marvel characters or marvel's dracula or, or frankenstein and all that sort of shit i could i could talk about stuff uh yeah I, I mean i have stuff stuff i, I also i dc's frankenstein dc has a frankenstein that grant morrison made up uh yeah. jeff Lemire did a series with him I, I got to write a couple stories with him uh man it's the greatest idea it's just it's frankenstein's monster and he is like a world adventuring just like they did such a it's such a great idea and it makes me mad that I didn't think of it but uh but I would do that character in a, in a hot second and I, I've gotten close and actually I had a pitch that got pretty far and then I used the story I had for him in West of Sundown in my brain. <laughs> so, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Now can you uh, talk a little bit? I know um, we kind of touched on it the last time you were on, but Image Comics and the impact that uh that early 90s had on you and and uh just in comic books in general and how important that move was by all those folks to create image 
for that creator owned? Cause you do a lot of creator owned and I know that's a big part of uh, your success. Can you kind of talk about how important that was to you? And uh, I mean, you're still working with image to this day, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, most, mostly I work with, with image. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, cause the original, it's, it's funny now. Cause I, I think about how it hit me when I was, a, I was 13 when they, or I was 15 when they announced image, which was like, the perfect age to, cause I was 13 when like McFarlane and Liefeld and Jim Lee came on uh, to the Marvel books. And, and then like, I was ready to follow them wherever they went. Um, but you know, when I, when I was a kid, it was just like, yeah, these guys can do whatever the fuck they want. And, uh, and, and sometimes that meant like they made, you know, not that great of books, but at least they were like pure and energetic and they were, they were full of fire and light. But, but what image became and I think under, uh, you know, Jim Valentino and Eric Larson and Eric Stevenson um, sort of ushering this idea that image could be a place where creators could do creator own books, but they could also do things that weren't just superhero books. And, the, you know, the fact that uh, image has been so successful for so long uh, and primarily doing not superhero, but you can do superhero books there, obviously Invincible and Local Man are there uh, and, you know, Spawn is there and, and Savage Dragon, but but the big successes they've had there are these really uh, wide range of, of, of genres, all kinds of different creators, and calling their own shots. And I think it's that's really important about it and making decisions about things that I think kind of can, can easily be sort of cast aside by, by the readers, but, but where, which are, you know, the way that you present the format, the, the where, the place you sell it, the audience you target. Uh, and... Image is able to do stuff and sell to readers that I think that Marvel DC would have trouble with now. And so you think of like the success of Walking Dead or Saga or, you know, or, or Hack Slash. Uh, those are books that couldn't exist under probably Marvel or DC. Yeah. And uh, maybe Vertigo, you know, but probably not even that. And so, you know, that's the the legacy of the, of Image Comics. Obviously, people are doing it. Some comics companies were doing it before. Dark Horse, obviously, and all this sort of stuff. But Image has a, a an open open more open door that allows things to happen that could just never happen, and yeah. So I'm always on the side of doing things with Image, and you know that we get to do Local Man and and celebrate Image Comics and specifically celebrate the sort of original founders and and use their use their characters, which is fucking crazy. It's amazing, man. It's incredible. Because yeah. I, you know, we've been doing this long enough that Tony and I can. When we're doing bad girls we'd be like hey eric larson can we use she dragon and and like that's a thing that you could do with image it's so <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of fun man yeah I, I remember uh i just remember watching the news and easy e was yeah, uh, right. with Liefeld <laughs> getting his comic book signed you know you're you're selling a lot of comic books if easy e is waiting in a line to get your comic book right yeah man <laughs> and you think of like what a weird cultural phenomenon that was and, and also yeah probably impossible to replicate I, I mean probably but um but yeah they just like they managed to capture a zeitgeist you know i guess i could also complain that in some ways they didn't capture they didn't keep it they they sort of it well some of them did but but some of them sort of let it slip through their fingers because they got distracted by other shit yeah. and that's a whole nother conversation uh, obviously but uh but i think the you know the the benefits of Image Comics and, and the original idea uh, is 
probably the most important thing ever happened to comic industry. And I, I, I think I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, fully agree. I, I kind of wonder, Tim, you know, uh, and my kids are all older now I'm about to have my first grandchild. Um, when it comes to like this next generation of comic book readers, I could tell you my youngest daughter is manga all the way. I tried to get her to read comic books. She just is not that interested. Right. It just doesn't appeal to her. I mean, I, you know, like ice cream, man. I thought, man, that would be like perfect. She loves horror. She loves those kind of crazy. She just loves manga. Right. And it's just easy to receive for some reason. I don't get it. That, that part of, yeah. I don't get that either. I get like manga readers who don't re respond well to like superhero stuff, but yeah. yeah, I don't get that. And I, I feel like that's sort of like, it's actually, it's kind of a weird, um, it's a generalization. It's a stereotyping that you wouldn't really respect if someone had it for other things. If I go back to when I was a kid, you know, there would be people in my hometown would be like, I wouldn't read a Japanese comic book. It's the same thing, but in reverse in a weird way, because you're generalizing about stuff that you, you're not, I understand not wanting to get into continuity and all that sort of stuff, but comics is comics. And we need to, manga readers need to know that too. Is we, I had to do that when I was a kid. It's like, well, it's just a comic. It's comics. It is literally comics. Manga means, you know, delightful pictures or whatever, uh, whimsical pictures. That's all it means. That's what it means. It means comics. It's literally what it means. And so there is no, there are cultural sort of unique things, but there is no difference in the medium. It is comics. That is just what it is. So this weird idea that people like, well, I wouldn't read American comics because it's made by Americans. Like, that's kind of fucked up, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I don't understand. I teach college um, and I I have most of my kids come from, you know, I would say 90% of them come from manga or YA books, but they're more flexible. Like you can, you can get them on Saga or Hellboy or Bone or, you know, like they, but they're also college kids and they're studying this stuff. So like, but definitely they come from manga. Like that's just the way we missed, not we, but Marvel DC missed a generation um, of readers by making it hard to get their stuff while manga made their stuff easy to get but yeah it doesn't make sense ice cream man has a great fucking comic book it's a great horror book it's better than 90 percent of the manga horror stuff so you know it, the idea that that it would be well i'm not interested because it's not japanese is that's weird and so that's <laughs> the stuff we i think we have to we have to counter because you know it, it can't be just cultural it's also sort of like a you're in a club, I think. And, and part of it is like... Yeah, the coolness factor, I think, right? Yeah. Like, manga is so cool and so up-to-date. And when she looks at comic books, she yeah. sees me. <laughs> yeah, which is so crazy because most, a lot of the most popular manga is old. I mean, like, you know, it's not like JoJo's Biz uh, Bizarre Adventures is fucking new. It's it's ancient, you know? So, like... I mean, One Piece has, what, like, 500 books? It's crazy. Yeah. So, it's not like they're, they're, they're more, you know... Uh, of of the era than 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 the other stuff it, it, it's not true but yeah it's it's there's something that superhero books fucked up for the rest of us uh by making them yeah it's just weird it's because you, you wouldn't be like well i don't watch tv from america because it's for old dudes like that doesn't make any sense that, yeah. that, that's that's insane but but you also going back like when i was a kid you wouldn't be like well i would never watch I remember when I was a kid, I, I loved Chinese, Hong Kong cinema. Like, I was super in when I was 17, 16, 17 years old. I, I would, you know, pe people I knew, like, well, I don't want to watch a movie in Chinese, you know. Uh, but, like, it's fucking awesome. Like, I had to do it then. Now I got to do it the other way. I got to convince <laughs> you that fucking American stuff is good. 
like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> but most, I'm always surprised because my college kids are, are really good about trying stuff out. They, you know, they're, they're not going to become like Green Lantern readers. It's just not going to happen. But they do find things, you know, they, they're very curious about uh, American indie comics. Uh, you know, and, and some of them, this maybe will give you hope. Uh, <laughs> when I started teaching at Columbia, um, the, the first class I had was this group of kids who I ended up, because of the pandemic, I ended up having these like really weird classes with them where it was over Zoom and it was all like, and everybody was scared and it was weird and, and everything was bad. And so, so we kind of bonded with this one particular class. I like spent a lot, way too much time talking to them about stuff. And, um, and so now like, I know those kids like outside, some of them already graduated, multiple of them are graduate. One of them became my assistant, Sarah. Uh, but over that time, uh, you know, they were sort of like, I became this elder statesman of comics. They'd be like, they were like interested in comics. They like manga. They'd grown up on bone. They'd grown up on other stuff. But one of my favorite things was, uh, first I started taking them to comic conventions. So I'd get them in and be like, hey, come. And they were like, what? what? This is a blow their fucking mind. And then one of my favorite things is I started taking them to um, flea markets. And they're like, wait, you can get comics at flea markets for how much? And I was like, yeah, dollar a piece. Or <laughs> or 10 for a dollar or whatever. And they'd be like, what? And so they didn't know about this. Like there's this whole generation of kids that didn't know, you know, that there's like this, that there's swap meets and flea markets and that there's all these old comics. And and like uh, one of my students, Anthony, uh, he came with me to one of them and he was just, it, it, we were digging through this, this rack of like an old flea market comics. And this lady had a thing of spawn from issue one to like issue 150 or something like that. Yeah. And they were like, and they were like a dollar a piece. And Andy was just like, here's my entire $150. You know? That's like, a steal, man. <laughs> I, I know. It's incredible. I mean, look, but that's the thing you can do in comics. You can live in this sort of, you can, yes, you can get everything that's coming out now. But there's this whole history. And the, in general, I'm I, it blows my mind. The kids are fucking delighted. It's weird they didn't know about this. Right. Maybe it isn't weird because, you know, manga was so accessible at bookstores. Also, manga doesn't have as much of a back issue thing. It doesn't. It does, but not like comics have traditionally had. So, uh, so this was like an awesome thing that I feel like now that's like my in my arsenal. Like when I've got students, they're like, "Yeah, I'm kind of curious about," and and I, and I'm I'm not talking just about superhero shit. I'm talking about like, you know, we found heavy metal issues and we found like European stuff and we found like weird. Like they're just like, "Oh, you can get comics and they're not expensive." That, that's the big thing. I, mean, I think key. maybe that's the, the key. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've almost given up just trying and just like whatever. But uh, um, there, there is hope and uh, slash. Try Zoe's hack slash. Give yes. Her back exactly. <laughs> exactly. I also have noticed that uh, the the monthly buyer is really becoming more of the trade buyer, right? I don't know if you're seeing that too. It seems like trades have kind of taken over a little bit. So I sit and wait, right, for the trade. Yeah, they do, and uh, so I understand that. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of that way. I guess I kind of I don't buy a lot of monthly stuff anymore, really either. Um, I buy a lot of comics, but I I buy mostly just like weird shit that I, you know, I don't know, indie stuff and weird shit, you know, but. Um, but I do think that's not good for comic retailers because, and in 
they I think a lot of comic retailers have sort of let that happen because they're like, well, I've got this uh, bookstore section, I've got this trade section. It's like, okay, th- yes, great, but you know who also has that? Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Uh, so so there's this. I think there's there's a tough as comic retailers monthly is still got to be something that you invest in. It's still got to be something that you you push and you've got to get those readers coming in all the time because uh having worked with book market for now you know i mean for me uh that's where like let's say hack slash or revival i do an image book and it would sell okay uh in in monthly books but retailers wouldn't like really go all out and invest in us or anything they would just be like we'll have a couple mm-hmm. they would invest in the trade right but before the retailers would come around to us comic retailers I was selling to bookstores and that's where I was surviving. And that's where I was making money. So like Hack Slash was thriving in bookstores. You know, we were set, the monthly books were selling 5,000 copies. We've sold 65,000 copies of Hack Slash Omnibus One. So that's through book market and stuff like that. So that is where people go for that stuff. And that is in part because of the way retail has been done in the comic business for a long time. So if if you're trying to compete with those bookstores, They've got years. Trust me, I know. I have the receipts. <laughs> so, you know, if if you're not pushing the idea of getting your customers on reading monthlies, the problem, this is a huge rant, and I don't want to go too into it, but no, you're good. Problem, well, the huge problem is they'll push variants or something. They'll push, like, monthly, like, it's collector. You can flip it, right? We'll charge you 25 bucks for this Thundercats copy or we'll cover whatever. Uh, but that is basically useless because that doesn't build you readers that means next time they come in they buy another number one that they try to flip they don't come in for number two you need to get them on number two right because between one and six and then the trade comes out you're fucked yeah so so like there has to be this big retail retailer in reinvestment in in bi-monthly because that's the place that you don't have to compete with Barnes and Noble or Amazon or uh, any of those places because that's not how it works. So it's like, you know, and the problem is they have to build readers and, and that has been the thing that everybody has neglected, you know, except for the creators in this business for a long time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I'm hoping that there is a an uptick um, for sure. I mean, I love my comic book store. I would hate for it to close down. I'm very fortunate to have one in my little town where I live. And so far, I mean, he, he seems like things are good because there's not a comic book store very close to him, right? It's about a 45 to an hour for the next one. So he does pretty well, but yeah, I always worry about those things, you know? I think there was, and this is how comics, I came in on this, I can, I'm recognizing patterns. Uh huh. So when I came into comics in 2001, we were in a, a, a nadir, like we were in the bottom of a thing, but I started on G.I. Joe. Josh Blaylock got the rights to G.I. Joe, published uh, through Devil's Do Publishing, published G.I. Joe. That was a huge hit, right? And that did like an a insane amount of copies. I think the first issue was the highest selling book in five years when it came wow. out. So uh, from 2002, before that was 1997. So yeah, 2001, somewhere there. So uh, now you're seeing where we were in sort of a nadir and what just sold 170 fucking thousand copies, Thundercat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this sort of 80s, uh, like mass appeal things when they show up. People want to read comics. They want to collect comics. 
and they come back in on these things that are nostalgic to them. And so that's one of the big reasons I think Thundercats hit, and that's when G.I. Joe hit when I was there. So I think the I think the Nadir was around September, October, because I went to New York Comic Con and partly it was the inflation was at its worst. Yeah. And uh that was a you know, it was just like a hard and again, there's nothing specific to comics about that, but it was it was about retail in general. And so, you know, that was hurting leisure stuff like comics. And and New York Comic Con was the slowest it's ever been since I've been mm-hmm. going there, as far as sales go. And just for about almost everybody. Uh, but I feel like now, so inflation is waning and economies are doing better. And then you see that excitement. All of a sudden everybody goes, well, fuck it. Let's go all in on Thundercats. Okay, great. You Now if you're a retailer, you got to grab those people and get them to come back. But the other side of it means people want to do this. They, they're interested, you know. That's good. That's a good sign. It just depends on how you play it. So I think I'm gonna. I'm looking at C2E2 is going to be my big test of like where things are. Uh, but you know, I did a con in Columbus, Ohio, in mid October, right before Christmas, and it was great. And yeah. so that tells me like, all right, things are better. If people are buying comics before Christmas. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, that to me is is a good uh, leading indicator. Yeah. Could it go to shit? Yeah. I mean, but I. You know, I think Marvel's put out some really smart stuff. Ultimate those Ultimate books, yeah, they're they're smartly done. Of course, they're Hickman, so of course they're smartly yeah. done. Like Adult Spider Man, fucking genius. Yeah, it's an obvious idea, but it's so genius, and and that's that's going to be uh, bringing in a lot of people. And then, uh, you know, if DC goes through this thing that you're talking about, which I don't have any special knowledge of, uh. <laughs> uh you know that it brings people in, and I think people want to read these books. They want to read them monthly. They want to collect comics, but if you give them too many reasons not to, they'll take it. So. Yeah, yeah. You know the other thing too, Tim, and I, I'm sure you've um, thought about this, but when you look at the numbers, I'm not sure is Kickstarter and Indiegogo and some of these other fund my comic, all these other places where you can get comics. Are those numbers, I don't think those are added to some of the numbers that we do see, although we don't see a lot of numbers. And I, I do think that at least on the indie side, I feel like indie comics have been really strong. It's just a lot of people are self-producing comics. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, kind of. Well, I don't want to discount the success of, because Kickstarter and all those crowdfunding things, are they were all, and whatnot, all mm-hmm. those places like, holy shit, can't believe how the fucking hot comics are in here, uh, which is great. So awesome. But the thing to remember about and, and the industry adds Kickstarter stuff, so it can include mm-hmm. it. But that doesn't help comic retailers. So it doesn't help comic shops. Exactly, yeah. That money does not come to them. That is a problem. So the industry was up this year. It was up because of things like Kickstarters and because of all that sort of stuff and because of book market, but not because of comic shop. Uh, the the thing you have to remember about Kickstarters, and I know I run the motherfuckers, <laughs> it's very few people that you're charging a lot of money. Yeah. So it's not a great way to gauge anything. You're talking about, and and the other side of it is, it often is not about the comics themselves. So if you if you look at a lot of the stuff like, you know, your your it, it's a personality club. You know, it's like somebody doing something to try to show like, and and obviously the you know the some of the more political sides of this, uh, mm-hmm. especially on the right wing, that's a big part of selling these books. Is that this is a stick it to the man? Fuck that! It's a protest vote, right? Yeah. But it's a very small amount of people. It's not enough to make a difference in a comic shop necessarily, right? So, like, 
the average Kickstarter for a comic, like I know for Hackslash, the way we use it is that we publish these um, hardcover books, mm-hmm. and um, they are the immediate the, the front end investment on doing a hardcover book that is four hundred pages long is an insane amount of money. It's insane. So what we've learned is that what we can do is we use the Kickstarter to raise some funds and we give them an exclusive cover that we only do through the Kickstarter. So like 700 people will get the exclusive and then maybe another 250 will get the one that will go to stores. And what it helps us do is pre-fund what is an insane amount of printing costs. Yeah. It's great because the customer then gets something that you can only get through there, right? It's, a, it's exclusive to there, but it helps us make a book that we're going to put up bookstores. But it's a small amount of people. It's 700 to 2,000 people, let's say. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the entire base of most comic Kickstarters, really, uh, which is awesome. I'm very happy we have those people. We should be very happy about that. Uh, but in comic shops, that wouldn't, that doesn't, that yeah. doesn't do anything. That's, that's not even a, you know, it's nothing. So, like, you have to, it doesn't, it, I think it takes some of the money because you're charging a few amount of people a lot of money. And so the, it doesn't end up really helping anybody. So especially like, you know, some of the right-wing people that hate everything that comes out now and they're all trying to do this thing where they're like, we're helping comics. Like, no, you're actually hurting it because you're you're draining the money that would have went to a comic shop, essentially, by charging them a bunch of money for a one-shot. Let's say it's a, you know, a one-issue, 40-page book and you're charging them 17 bucks or 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. about five comics at your local comic shop <laughs> that's, that's a really good point too i didn't think of that right. yet. so so that's the thing is like is, so it's not helping it's hurting so yeah. you know uh that that i think it's a it's an indicator of interest in comics it's not good for comic shop but it's also i, I don't think a good model for comics at all is to sell less things for more money to fewer people i think it's shit and I know there's a temptation to be like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll just do this Kickstarter thing and I fuck the direct market and whatever, I'll just do this direct. I get it. On the other hand, that's less comics to people and that's not helping push the larger business onto interested fans. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my rant on the subject. <laughs> no, I mean, I love your opinion. You've been in comics for a long time and you know the business side of it. So I think it's really helpful to have your perspective, right? Because there's a there's a lot of noise. I've listened to all of it and, you know, I can understand a lot of it from a lot of different people, but uh, you're in the industry. So I, I certainly wanted to know your opinion on that. And you brought up some really good points I didn't even think about. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want it all to be that, you know, yeah, uh, that we have comic shops and they're healthy. And I think you know, some of the problems that comic shops have are are self-inflicted like that. But there's some things that are not their fault. And, you know, I think we as as, a, as creators and publishers shouldn't put more weight and more problems on them. So. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, man. Wow, Tim. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate it. I want to be super respectful of your time. I know you're busy. You're probably exhausted. Um, hopefully uh, your drink is kicking in, my friend. But uh, cheers. <laughs> what are you drinking uh maplewood it's a local chicago one this is their nice. it's a hazy ip it Ooh. is fantastic i recommend it if you're in chicago uh get you one of these it's maybe like six percent something like that eight percent six point three yeah yeah <laughs> those right. ipas will get you messed up if you're not careful yeah that's you do one and go to bed 
exactly. Well, Tim, I, I hope that we could have you back on when you're able to kind of talk about some of the other things that you're working on. I'm really excited to, to hear that something's happening, whatever that is. But uh, congratulations on Hack and Slash, though. 20 years. Fantastic. I mean, for a, any kind of a title to stand the test of time for that long means that you've uh, you've hit a core um, audience that really loves it. So congratulations. I'm still loving Local Man, so I'm hoping that uh, we'll get a few years out of this. It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what Jack gets himself into um, moving forward. Yeah, Local Man, Bad Girls. That's the next one. And I'm we killed it on that book. So yes. I want you to read it. It's okay. really good. We did a we did a good thing. We we made a, a really interesting uh bad girls comic nice i will definitely be picking that up but uh tim thank you so much man i really appreciate your time um you're always welcome and uh man have a great rest of your week all right man thanks so much I thanks appreciate Jim. It. all right